0: Good morning. Okay, we can try that again. I know Tennessee lost last night, but good morning. 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 Yes. If you want to open your Bibles, I'll be reading from Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter, my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with argument. I would know what he would answer me, and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold."
1: It's good to see each of you this morning. Appreciate you being here. Especially if you're visiting with us. We're glad that you're here and we want you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you do have. Um. There we go, started to plead for help. <clears throat> Where is God? There was once a tour guide who took a group to an orange grove, but when they got there the pump for the irrigation system had uh, defaulted, it had uh, broken down, and it was an unusually dry season, and so the trees began to wither and they began to die because of a lack of water. Later that day, the the tour guide had taken the owner of that particular grove over to his own orange grove and showed him exactly what he had. And instead of trees dying and withering, his trees were doing fine. They were doing well. In fact, he looked at the owner of the other grove and he said, these trees could go another two weeks without water. So the man looked at him and he said, well, why is it that your trees are doing so well while everyone else's trees are drying up and they're dying and they're they're being harmed? And he told them, he said, you see, when they were young, I frequently withheld water from them. And so they got used to being without water, and and they would send their roots further down and deeper into the ground until they could find moisture. And so you see what we have here is a group of trees, an orchard of trees, who are the best well-rooted trees in this area. While all the other trees are being scorched and dying from the sun, these trees are getting moisture, but they're getting it further and deeper down than any of the other trees because their roots go deeper. Now like those orange trees, our faith needs to be deeply rooted because there are going to be times in our lives when we ask this question, where is God? All of us have struggled in this life. All of us can think back to a time when something happened And if you cannot think back to that time right now, just wait because it will come. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that because Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. He was despised and rejected of men. The prophet says, "...a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not." Isaiah 53, 3. If sorrow found its way into the life of the Savior of the world, surely it will find its way to me as well. Have you noticed when we suffer, though, that we have a few questions that we would like to ask God? We have questions for Him when we suffer. Throughout man's history, the righteous have always had questions for God. Notice when the Philistines killed about 4,000 Israelites in battle, the elders asked the troops, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? 1 Samuel 4.3 When the psalmist felt confused about the events of his life, he asked a question. He said, Why standest thou far off, O Lord? Why hidest thyself in times of trouble? Psalm 10.1 We have questions. In the passage read for us this morning, Job had some questions. He asked, in particularly, God, where are you? He thought God was gone. He didn't know where God was. He said, oh, that I knew where I might find Him. He was searching, or he thought he was searching. He was looking. He knew he needed God in his life. In his life, Job had four friends, didn't he? He had four friends that came to encourage him or comfort him in his affliction. However, instead of comfort, they lobbied accusation after accusation after accusation at this man. They began to question Job's character and to accuse him of being sinful and ungodly. In essence, Job was was tired of listening to what was coming out of their mouths. He pleaded to God. He wanted some help. He wanted God to come to his aid and to vindicate him. He wanted God to tell those men that Job was innocent. He was confused and hurt. He wanted those men to know that they were wrong. Job asked, where is God? Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever... Been in a situation where you pleaded to God to come to your aid and you wanted Him to help you out of whatever the scenario was? I've been there. I've been in those situations where I have pleaded and I have begged and I've asked God, can you please help me? Will you please help me? What about sitting at the side of a loved one who was sick or dying and and pleading up to the Father to save that person through His providence? in the care of those doctors? Have you been there? I think most of us have. Well, what about when it didn't happen? Did you question God and want to know why it didn't happen? You tried your best to be faithful and you just wonder why it didn't happen? I think that may be common. When that happened, it didn't mean that we lost our faith. It meant we were confused. We didn't properly understand the situation. That we needed to reach out and we needed to study a little more and that we truly did need something even when we didn't really know what that something was. I think we can learn from Job and if we learn from Job, I think it can strengthen our faith. I think it will allow us to run our roots deeper into the ground and become stronger and stronger for when those winds come blowing in our lives and maybe it will keep this tree from tipping over. As we look at the life of Job, this certain aspect of his life, I want us to begin with the obvious in Job's life. Job was discouraged. I think that's to say the least. Job was a discouraged individual. He was discouraged from the moment These tragedies began to happen in his life, but then he really became discouraged when his good friends showed up upon the scene. He had a bitter complaint, didn't he? Job said, my hand is heavy. He had a heavy hand now. In other words, his burden was great. It was almost too great for him to even handle it, or so he thought. At any rate, he did have a great burden. Now this idiom of a heavy hand in the Old Testament, it speaks to great discouragement. Almost being brought down to the point where you can't even see any light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see any way out, and you think this has got to be the end. It can never get better. That is terrible discouragement. Jeremiah said, we've heard the report of it, our hands grow feeble, anguish has taken hold of us, pain as of a woman in labor, Jeremiah six twenty four. The accusations that Job's friends had levied against him, we might say it just took the wind out of his sails. He just was almost a beaten man. He felt as, as if he was nearing the end of his rope. And those things that his friends had to say were terrible. Notice Eliphaz. Eliphaz said, Remember, talking to Job, he says, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent? Or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness, they reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed, Job 4, 7 through 9. Then Zophar, in his great wisdom, added, Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon earth that the triumphing of the wicked is short, in the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment, Job twenty four through 5? They were explaining to Job why his triumph, Or his short joy was short because he was sinful and godless. All the while he's asking, where's God? Imagine being in Job's place. Imagine sitting there. He lost his livelihood. He lost his children. His health was gone and and his wife had turned against him. I can understand, looking at that, why he would feel that level of discouragement. It appears to me everything in his life that he held dear in this world had been taken from him. It reminds me of the family we know from from Ohio. We've been mentioning Jeffrey McIntosh. His father passed away. Jeffrey, of course, is just a young boy of 16, discouraged, wondering why God has taken from him everyone who is close to him. He's angry, but he just doesn't understand. You know, Job's friends tore him down instead of lifting him up, didn't they? They took an opportunity to hurt a man who was already hurting. They took an opportunity instead of trying to bring him closer to God, they were trying to bring him further apart. And we need to learn something from that, don't we? When our brethren suffer, we need to be there to help them when they need it. Now we need to understand that that doesn't mean we support them in their sin, or we don't tell them when they are wrong, but we need to help them help themselves. I think we see that from Job. Job also seemed discouraged to me, at least in some way, by the Father. Of course, he was mistaken. But as we read through the pages of the book that holds his name, did that take away any of the hurt that he was having? Simply because he misunderstood, he was confused, he didn't know why things were happening. He thought God was behind it. He wasn't blaming God. He said God has every right. He gives, he takes away. He didn't understand exactly what was going on, but did that change the hurt? No, he was still hurting. He wasn't upset with God because something bad had happened to him. He simply wanted God to come to his defense. He wanted God to tell those people to defend him against his friends. He'd been raked over the coals, hadn't he, by this alleged sin and ungodliness. But he did hold fast to his integrity. He simply wanted these men to be silenced. He wanted some kind of peace in his affliction. We can come to terms with an affliction, can't we? We can come to terms with something bad is happening in my life, but can I not find some kind of peace somewhere? That's what Christianity is all about, isn't it? The peace that passes understanding... Though in this world something is happening in my life and there's nothing I can do about it, yet I still have the peace of Christ in my life because I can know that I'm a Christian and I can know that I'm saved and that I'll be in heaven. Job simply wanted some kind of peace in his affliction. He knew at this time he didn't have a mediator, but he knew one was coming. He simply wanted some peace. You know, even though God never is the source of turmoil and sin and agony in this life, that doesn't mean that we aren't sometimes confused about the situation. That doesn't mean that we do not love God. That doesn't mean that that we're giving up on God. But here's what it does mean. It does mean that we have to come to the proper understanding and not blame God and understand why things are happening as much as we're able. God is the source of good things that we have in life. James said that, didn't he? We know that He is the source of the comforts in this life. He is the source of the blessings in this life. But what can we do when we feel confused and maybe we're not thinking correctly because of a sustained hurt that we have endured? What do we do? There's got to be some kind of application. It doesn't do any good to read about what Job did unless I can make some kind of application to my life to help me get through a hurt. Well, we can't blame God. That is the first thing. We cannot blame God. Satan is always the source for suffering. We ought to be angry with Satan. This young man I mentioned, he needs to be angry with Satan. Satan is the one that caused sin and death and disease and harm to come into this world. That's why people die and suffer. God didn't do that. God created a perfect world, didn't He? Where there was no sin, there was no uh, disease, there were no hurts. Just great blessings. We sometimes blind ourselves to the real source, don't we? Sometimes we make decisions in this life that bring about terrible hurt. But we blind ourselves to it. We don't want to see it. Maybe it's someone in our family that has done something, has made a choice, and it's causing problems. We still do not need to blame God. It's Satan's fault. Let's lay the blame where it belongs. It originated in Satan. And perhaps... I carried it on. But in the end, Job won his vindication, didn't he? God told Eliphaz this. He said, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that you have spoken of me the thing which is right, not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. God's going to take care of His people. It may not be in this life in a way that we think it ought to happen. He's going to take care of His people. That doesn't mean bad things don't happen to good people. That doesn't mean Christians don't die, that they don't uh, become diseased with certain things, that bad things don't happen to them. That doesn't mean that a faithful Christian will never be involved in a a fatal car crash. But what it does mean is God will take care of His people. Paul warned. He said, "...Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us." Then he goes on to talk about Christ coming back, gathering His people but bringing with him a fiery sword of vengeance taken upon those who do not know God and do not obey the commandments of Christ Jesus. God will take care of us. Job's discouragement was great. But within that discouragement, I think when we look at Job, he truly wanted one thing, and that was to declare his case before God. He wanted God to persuade those who were around him that he was innocent of the charges they had made. He wanted to make that declaration. He had suffered intensely through no fault of his own. Job had never been anything but faithful to God. What do we learn from that? Bad things can happen to good people. It happens every day. Of course, in Job's mind, God had not answered God had not defended him. He didn't understand. He wanted to take all of that before God and to explain things to God and for God to explain some things to him. But don't we get that way sometimes? It isn't just Job who wanted to question God. That's a little bit dangerous, isn't it? When we begin to question God, I don't want us to Miss Job's use of irony as he defended himself. He asked, would God contend with me in His great power? He says, no, but he would take note. Once Job had his opportunity before God, God did contend with him in His great power, didn't He? He talked to him from the whirlwind, from a great tornado. He answered Job, Job 38 verse 1. that's power, isn't it? That's great power. We've seen nature's power over the last few weeks. And God asked Job something. Instead of Job questioning God, God had a few questions for Job. Job 38, 2 through 3. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this that casts a shadow over my counsel when when you don't really know what you're talking about? He says, now prepare yourself like a man. He said, I'm going to question you. Oh, and you will answer me. See, no longer was Job asking the questions. Then God questioned Job about the the creation, the, the continual exercise of nature upon the world. He began to ask him those things. Well, what was God's point? Job didn't have an answer. In fact, Job said, I don't know. I can't know any of those things. I wasn't... In the beginning, when the foundations of this world was laid, the whole point, I believe, that God was making was that Job had perceived a picture of what God ought to be. And he was mistaken. What God was supposed to do in those circumstances. Can we apply that to our lives? Do we sometimes look at a situation in And we want to tell God how He ought to react to that. That's a little bit arrogant, though I don't believe that's what is intended. But it is, isn't it? People often do that when they argue with God about His plan of salvation, don't they? I believe everyone wants to be saved. You take out the very uh, minute number of atheists in the world, Everyone else who has some kind of a belief in a higher power, I think they want to be saved. But here's the problem. They want God to save them the way He says to save them, doesn't He? They want God to operate by the wisdom of the world. Paul talked about that. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words with which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. He goes on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 25 about the wisdom of the world compared to the wisdom of God. And the world calls His wisdom foolishness. They've outsmarted themselves. But God saves the world through His foolishness. And again, Paul's not saying that God's Word is foolish. He is making fun of what the world has said. Okay, you want to say God is foolish? He'll save you through His foolishness not through your wisdom. So we have to be careful, don't we? People want to be saved, but they want to be saved according to how they want to be saved. They don't care about repentance necessarily. How many times have we heard someone say, well, God, I know wants me to be happy. And they won't get out of a sinful lifestyle. Repentance is necessary, Acts 3.19. Without it, we can't be saved. What about the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, there are untold people in the world who take the deity right away from Christ. Now, they want to get to heaven. They say they love God, but they want to get there on their own terms. They don't want to confess that Christ is the Son of God, and they certainly don't want to live that way in their lives. Baptism, immersion in water for the forgiveness of sins. It's clear. It's clearly taught in the Bible. But someone says, I I just don't feel like that's what we need to do. We can't go on how we feel. I don't know the person yet who has never made a mistake. Jeremiah asked, or James reminded us rather, that we ought to ask for God's will to abound in our lives, right? Jesus understood that, that we need to do according to God's plan. While he prayed that in the garden. James wants us to remember that. Jeremiah asked this question. He said, Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? For this is your rightful due. For among all the wise men of the nations in all their kingdoms there is none like you, Jeremiah ten seven. He could understand that because he said it's not in man that he can direct his own steps. He understood that clearly. We have to be directed by God. Even the righteous Job needed God to direct him, didn't he? But as we look at the life of Job, let's not be too hard on him. After all, I believe he did better than most. But I also want us to keep in mind the main reason that Job felt the way he felt. I think this is so important for us. Job felt disconnected. He felt disconnected from God and he felt disconnected From his friends. That'll send you to the end of your rope, won't it? Have you ever felt separated from God? Have you ever felt like God's nowhere in your life? Something terrible has happened? Look, we're seeing it in the life of Job. Job says, Where are you, God? All these terrible things. Right when I need you most, where are you? I don't think Job ever intended to accuse God, he just didn't understand. God wasn't the source, God didn't do this. Just like we do, Job said that he felt that way. He went forward, he said, but he's not there. He went backward, but he said, I can't perceive him. When he works on the left, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I can't see him there either. He was looking all around. He was looking to the left, to the right. He said, I can't perceive him. I can't find him. God, where are you? Often we feel disconnected in this life, don't we? We feel separated from God sometimes. We feel like our friends don't quite understand and we need some help. But I think one thing we learn from this suffering of Job, God is involved in our suffering. He's not the source of it, but He's there. He's involved. When Satan tested Job, he wasn't permitted to harm his body. He said, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. Later he told Satan, you can't take Job's life. Job 2 verse 6. Do whatever you want to. You can't kill the man. Likewise, he does take care of us. You remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, you've never experienced a temptation that is not common to man. But with the temptation, he said, God would provide a way of escape. That's not miraculous. That's the difference between us now and Job then. God intervened in a miraculous way, would not allow Satan to harm his body for a while, would not then allow Satan to take his life. God's not going to intervene in a, in a miraculous way with us, but He's still going to intervene. He's provided a way through His providence. Without God, we would be su- separated, wouldn't we? Without God, suffering, would be greater than it is with, with Him. Just ask those in the world who don't have a covenant relationship with God. To whom do they turn? To whom do they turn when, when things in this life simply go terribly wrong? Who does the atheist turn to when someone is dying? Where do they gain comfort from that? Well, we'll never see him again. It's as if they never lived. That's that's atheism. There's no comfort in that. You know, maybe it is that God, through His providence, kept a greater catastrophe from happening to us than one that did. We know that God works wonders through suffering, though, don't we? James 1, 2 through 4, James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and, and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is a reason for trials, for testing. It causes our roots to grow deeper, makes our foundation stronger. Paul encouraged us with, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose, Romans eight twenty eight. We need to understand what Paul meant by that, right? Again, he didn't mean that if we withstand for a little while, we'll get what we want in the end. We may never get what we want in this life. What he did mean was endure for all of your life, and then in the end, you'll get what you need. Eternity in heaven. There was a man standing next to a zoo animal keeper at a, at a zoo, and he was watching an Angola giraffe giving birth. and She was standing up. The man asked, the zookeeper said, when is she going to lay down? You could already see the, the head and the front hoofs coming out. And he said, she's not. He said, well, she's ten feet off the ground from where the, the, the calf is being born. Is someone going to run out and catch the calf? He said, well, you can run out and do it if you want to, but... She has enough power in her hind legs to kick your head off. So as they were watching, he said, What's going to happen to the calf? And about that time, the calf was born. Dropped about ten feet straight down on its back with a big thud. Laid there for just a moment. And then the mama kicked the baby. A sprawling kick and kicked it way over. And the the man said, Why would she do that? He said she wants it to get up. Well, it laid there for just a little while and the calf on wobbly legs got up and stood there for a moment and the mama came over and knocked her down. Knocked the calf down. He said, why'd she do that? She wants the calf to remember how he got up. Because you see, out in the wild, a calf has to be able to get up and walk and run and stay with the herd or else those that, are also in the same area, that would love to have a meal of young giraffe calf, would get him. He has to be prepared. He has to be ready. Predators would pick him off. You see, the trials that that calf faced right after birth prepared him for the rest of his life. Saved his life, in fact. I think likewise our trials prepare us for greater things. God wants that to happen. Even though Job asked where God was during his trials, he had already answered that question, hadn't he? Do you remember what he said, Job 23, verse 3? He said, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. God's seat is in heaven. Job understood that. That's where Job wanted to be. That's where our God is, isn't it? He's in heaven. The psalmist said this, Psalm 9, 7 through 8, But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared His throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. And He shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. During any struggle that we may face, we need to always keep in mind and we need to rest assured that God is reigning in heaven right now. And that He loves us. He hasn't left us. We need to simply look for Him. He's going to see us through our struggles. He's going to be with us the whole time. And when we finally lose our struggle against death in this life, we'll see Him face to face. And He'll resurrect our bodies with the same power that He used to resurrect His Son from the grave. But for that to happen, we have to be faithful to Him. We have to have obeyed the gospel. We talked about how to do that. If you have and you've become unfaithful, come back to God today. Don't allow a misunderstanding of life's events keep you away from the one who loves you. If you need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.